Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. the Word of God, and turn with me to the New Testament book of Ephesians. The New Testament book of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5. Once again, we are using this as our basis of the entire series, understanding that God has given us a commandment here that we'll see once again. Now, as we've been walking through, we've been seeing the importance of music, understanding that the Lord, that God is our song. He's our strength. He has become our salvation. And that we understand that He doesn't just become our strength. He is our strength. He just doesn't become our salvation. He is our salvation. And so He just doesn't give us a song. He is our song. We spoke about a little bit about how there's benefits to music and how it's a help. We spoke a little bit about the um, ministry of music and how important it is to have the ministry of music. And we'll speak a little bit of that tonight. Last week we spoke about the Psalms. As the Bible says that we're supposed to sing to ourselves in Psalms. And so we did a a quick study of Psalms and understand that was the music book of the... (coughs) ancient peoples, the first century church, the Hebrew Christians, or the Hebrew people. And now we come to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 once again. And if you don't mind, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and let's notice starting at verse number 17. The book of Ephesians chapter number 5, and notice with me in verse 17, the Bible says this, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, whereas an <coughs> excuse me. Be not with drunk with wine, whereas an excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord. Jesus Christ. And if you have the marking things in your Bible, would you go and mark a phrase that we find or a word that we find in the book of Ephesians chapter number five, the book of Ephesians chapter five. And notice with me, verse number 19, the word hymns, hymns. And so as last week we hit the idea of Psalms, this week we want to put our attention on hymns and have an understanding of the biblical definition, the biblical reference of hymns, and how that relates to the music that we should listen to today. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And again, thank you for the privilege it is to be and open up your Bible to learn more of you and to learn more about the music that you created for us to use for you and for your honor and your glory. I'm again asking that you would set things in order, fill me with your spirit, and that you guide and direct the way that it ought, that you would help the communication to be clear, let it be easily understood, and that we could bring people to the idea of what is pleasing to you according to your word. Thank you, Lord, for the benefits that you give us and that we could trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we start off, like all things, we need to have a definition. We need to define our terms. What do we mean by a hymn? Well, we understand that a hymn 
are the primary music of the church and specifically of the congregation. Normally when someone thinks about a hymn, it is the primary music of the church. Most people associate them with congregational music. However, it's not just regulated to to congregational music, but this is what most people associate it with. We also understand that hymns and psalms are not an optional part of worship. In fact, they are central to the worship of the church. Now, they're not a style of worship. That's important to understand. Hymns are not a style of worship. They are the spiritual and physical aspect of worship. Now, when we talk about style, some people like to categorize hymns as a style. Hymns is not a style. What is a style? Congregational singing is a style. Choir music is a is a style. Quartets, trios, those are styles of music and they're sung a little bit different way. It's neither here nor there, but sometimes soloists have a hard time being congregational singers. Or leaders. Why? Because it is different styles of music and they're sung different ways. So we understand we're trying to define that hymns are not a style of music, but in fact they are a type of music. They are the physical and spiritual aspect of biblical music. So let's define hymns a little bit more. Now in its earliest Greek usage, the word hymn refers to a poem or an ode of praise to a divine being, a hero or a mythological figure. So think about this. The hymn in those ancient usage was not necessarily referring to the music part. They're refusing, they're referring to the doctrinal or the message part of the music. So therefore, with that same definition, we understand that hymns are not specifically tied to the music as much as they're tied into the message. The message of the music. That the music that accompanies it is just the vehicle to help bolster faith and to help carry the message of the gospel. To help people to understand, to put the music inside of their head. So, as we try to explain it, let's go to a source. Martin Luther was someone who was called the father of hymnology. So, let's see what he has to say concerning the importance of hymns that we can learn from him and learn from our understanding of what hymns are and what pl- uh, part they play. Now, Martin Luther, because of the doctrine of the priest or the believer, remember we spoke about that this morning in Sunday school, the priest or the believer has, is the doctrine that everyone has equal access to God. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I have a special access card or phone or any way to get a hold of God any different than you. Therefore, everyone from the pew to the pulpit All of us have access to God and all of us are responsible for worshiping God because we can go to God for ourselves. So Martin Luther, because of this doctrine, understood that the common people should sing and worship. That it's not just set aside for just religious leaders. Everyone should sing to worship because our praise goes to God and it doesn't have to go through any other source. He, Martin Luther, wrote 76 chorals or hymns for his congregations to sing and thus become the father of evangelical hymnology. Of course, we just got through singing one of those hymns that he wrote. He wrote those for the purpose of teaching the people within the congregations he pastored, teaching them the Bible through music. And it was a way that allowed the doctrine to go through and people to learn more about what the Bible said because of music. 
Martin Luther also realized the significant role that music could have in the spiritual growth of a Christian. That as a Christian understands the spiritual principles, he is going to grow as he hears it and he obeys the things that he hears about. Here's what Martin Luther said. Music and notes, which are wonderful gifts and creations of God, do help gain a better understanding of the text, especially when sung by a congregation and when sung earnestly. He says, if you want someone to understand the text better, we also sing a song that goes along with it that backs up what you learn from the text. He understood that the message of the song was backing up and matching the preaching of the preacher. He goes on to say, We have put music to the living and holy word of God in order to sing, praise, and honor it. We want the beautiful art of music to be properly used to serve her dear creator and his Christians. He is thereby praised and honored, and we are made better and stronger in faith when his holy words is impressed in our hearts by sweet music. Again, this is Martin Luther, who's putting the emphasis of why it's so important to sing the actual words of Scripture and to understand how important it is to tie it to our hearts by faith and obedience to learn the Word of God. Now, Luther gained this idea of the word of God and music were tied together from the scripture. And so he taught it that music and, and the words were tied together and that you couldn't separate them and they were all based off of scripture. Luther was also not the first to appreciate the power of hymns. We call him the, modern, uh, the father of modern hymnology. However, hymns were used all the way back to the second century A.D., in the 2nd century AD, music was written to help people to understand the importance of all three aspects of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You know, all the way back then, they did not have any systematic textbook that said, we believe in Father, we believe in the Son, we believe in the Holy Ghost. Yet, most people believed in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Where did they learn it from? Music. And so therefore, when someone tried to challenge and say that the Holy Spirit is not God, only God is God and Jesus is God, well, the people rebelled against that thought because they had learned it from their music. And they understood the principle even before it was written down. Again, tonight we're talking about hymns. And so... And the importance of it, that hymns are tied to the actual message of the Bible. We also understand that singing should be a result of hearing and meditating on God's word. Did you know, according to the Bible, there are many passages, and I'm just going to show you some, that shows that when we hear the word of God and apply the word of God, the result is going to be singing with our lips. May I show you a couple? Look at Psalm 119, 171. It says, my lips shall utter praise when... When thou hast taught me thy statutes. When you learn the word of God, one of the results is that you have a desire to sing about what you learned. Isn't that wonderful? Notice another passage. Psalm 119, 172. My tongue shall speak thy word. Why? For all of thy commandments are righteous. Because God's good is, uh, words is righteous, I have a desire to speak, to sing, to declare God's word. We see that correlation. It goes on. It says Psalm 119, 174. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law, which is God's word, 
is my delight. You know what you delight in is what you want to talk about. It's what you want to sing about. And so we understand that the idea of God's word should tie to the music we sing. Singing about what we love. Psalm 119.175 Let my soul live and it shall praise thee and let thy judgments help thee. It says that my soul shall praise thee. Why? Because thy judgments, God's law, God's word helps me. That I should praise God because of what God has done for me. Psalm 119.54 Thy statutes or God's word has been my songs and the house of my pilgrimage. Once again, the psalmist is saying, I'm actually singing God's words. And they're the songs that I want to sing. Once again, we're tying this idea that the application, when we apply God's word in our heart, that one of the results is that we want to express it with our lips, with our mouth. And part of that is through song. So as we're tying this in, that hymns is not so much the music as much it is the doctrine, that the music is the vehicle that carries along with it, and that hymns are actually carrying a biblical message Therefore, we also have to understand that biblical music should be held at the same standards of biblical preaching. Now, do you know that you could define what good biblical preaching is? And we could also define what good or bad biblical preaching or bad preaching is. Well, it just so happens that there's a passage in the Bible that we could refer to. Music today in today's churches, by usage, appears to be separate from the other elements of worship that may be more spiritual, like praying or preaching. Some people have in mind that preaching is spiritual. That praying, of course, it's spiritual. But songs, ah, that's a little bit separate. When in fact, they're part of the same thing. They go together. This separation doesn't appear in Scripture. In fact, music is tied to God's Word over and over. So our thinking is more biblical when we understand that musicians and preachers share the ministry of the word. Both of them have the responsibility to get across God's word to the people in a way that they will understand it and apply it. Now, since the gospel can be preached through music, and since biblical teaching can be recalled through music and appropriated, then there's an obligation to ensure that this biblical music is done well. Meaning that we should be able to understand what good preaching is and apply that same thing to what good music is, what biblical hymn music is. When music is like a sermon, it follows that it must have the responsibilities and characteristics similar to that of a sermon. Many of the same criteria that we use to define great preaching and teaching can employ to define good music. So in Jeremiah 23, the beginning part of the chapter, Jeremiah is dealing with false preachers and the effects of their preaching. So Jeremiah is taking time most of the chapter to say you're a false preacher. You're hurting people. You're a false preacher. You're hurting people. The whole chapter he's saying this is wrong preaching. Then he turns around in Jeremiah 23 and the rest of the chapter he defines what good biblical preaching is. And we could take these same applications to good biblical music. Let's define it. Preachers, first of all, should be sent and approved by God. Well, that makes sense. You don't want to have a preacher who's not sent by God. 
Well, same thing with a musician. A musician should be sent and approved by God. Meaning that they have standards and qualifications that they should meet in order to declare God's word truly. Notice this in Jeremiah uh, verse 21 in chapter 23. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Again, God is speaking through Jeremiah. Jeremiah is delivering this. And God says, I haven't sent these guys. Yet they ran. They ran to go tell people. He says, I have not spoken to them, but yet they prophesied. And so we understand this principle here that biblical preachers have the requirement that their God called and God approved. So should biblical music. It should be a ministry and something that God has placed them in the thing to do with the same approval. Something else we understand from Jeremiah 23, preaching should change lives. Any, that's the whole definition of preaching. What is preaching? Preaching is giving religious information for the purpose of making a decision. That every time I preach, there should be an expectation that people make a decision to do something with it. Well, do you know that same thing should be true with music? Well, let's see what Jeremiah has to say in verse 22. But if they, the false preachers, had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Now again, he's applying this to biblical preaching and saying, if they were truly preaching my word, these false preachers, then they would have caused the people to turn to me and to respond. Well, the same thing's true about biblical music. Biblical music should cause people to turn from their wicked ways and return to God, not pat them on the head and say, well, I feel good, I had a religious experience, and go back to their sin. Does that make sense? And so many times that happens. I have testimonies of people I know personally who would tell me that they would have their life of sin, show up in a church service, sing the songs, have the lighters, have the tears running down. Oh, it's so wonderful. Step out of church and go back into their sin and never be convicted over it. Well, there's something wrong with that music. Biblical music should have the same requirements as biblical teaching. And it should draw us close to the Lord. And if we're paying attention to what it says, it should help us to turn from our wicked ways. What else do we understand about biblical preaching from this chapter? Preaching should make us aware of our accountability towards the Lord. Well, let's see what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 23, starting in verse 23. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord? And not a God afar off. Meaning, am I not a God who's right here? I'm not a God who's far away. He goes on, verse 24. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Now in this we understand that God is a God everywhere. And we must give an account to him. Therefore, we must be wary of our ways. Biblical preaching has the requirement of tying people to the responsibility of looking to God. And therefore, biblical music, if it follows the same suit, should cause us where we look at God and see who he is. Be thou my vision. What are we talking about? I want to see God. And I want to see him because he's my comfort. And I want to do anything to set aside anything that would keep me from getting to my God. Our personal accountability to our God. What else do we learn from this passage? 
Preaching should be clear what is God's word and what is our opinion. That should be very clear. If we're declaring God's word, this is what God's word says. If this is something I believe, I should be honest enough to say this is what I believe. This is what I've come to my own conclusion. We see that in verse 28. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Here it says, if a prophet has a dream, be honest and say, well, this was my dream. But if God gave him a word, he preaches the word. And it's clear, this is what God said. Well, the same thing about biblical music is that it should be very clear what is God's word and what someone's experience and testimony and whatnot. Because there is a difference. We understand that God's word can do its own work. Verse 29. That's the wonderful thing about biblical preaching. Do you know that God never promised to bless my preaching? But he did promise to bless his word. So the more of God's word that's in the preaching, the more that I can expect God to work. The same thing is true about biblical music. The more that God's word is in the music, the more we can expect God to bless it and to use it. Notice what it says in verse 29. Is not my word as like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces. Good biblical music is going to do a work in someone's life. It's going to hammer it through. It's going to cause people to think. This is why music is so important that it has to, if it's biblical music, tied into the Bible itself. Because God's word will do its own work. Something else that we understand is that instead of receiving a word from the Lord, the preacher should actually use God's word. Now this is a big deal because what false preachers do today is say, I got a word from the Lord. He has spoken to me and told me to build a hospital and you need to give. And they'll give things like that. Well, instead of saying what you got in a vision, what you got from pizza, what you said in a nightmare, whatever else... Actually say, what does the Bible say? You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot depend on dreams or visions in the night. You cannot. You have to tie it. What does the Bible say? Well, let's see what the Bible says in Jeremiah. Notice with me in verse number 33. And when this people say, or the prophet, or a priest shall ask, what is the burden of the Lord? Now the burden of the Lord, what is used today is, I got a word from the Lord. Back then it was, I got a burden from the Lord. That's the same idea here, that they have their own vision in the night. I got a burden from the Lord. Instead of asking, what, uh, what is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt say to them, what burden even I will forsake you, saith the Lord. And as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man in his house. Now that's a pretty strong warning. If you didn't get a from the Bible, you need to be very, very careful with declaring it to other people. Because we're supposed to declare God's word. And what did God's word say? And depend on God's word. The same thing is true about biblical music. Instead of saying, I had a dream and God inspired me. And so I'm going to sing a song about clouds in the sky. And it has nothing to do with God. 
But yet people say, oh, that's such a religious song. Oh, that's an uplifting song. But is it a biblical song? Does it teach the word of God? Does it bring people to the word of God? And be very clear. This is what the Bible says. They should just stick with what the Bible says and leave the pepperoni pizza alone. You guys all know what I mean when I say that though. Okay. What else? Jeremiah 23 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because there's quite a bit about biblical preaching. Let's see what else. We should be looking for what God has spoken. Instead of trying to find out what my dream meant or what something else or what this interpreted, we should just see what did God say by it in the first place. Thus thou shalt say to the prophet, What hath the Lord answered thee? And what hath the Lord spoken? We should be looking to find out what did God say. That is our only authority. It is not our final authority. The Bible is our only authority. What does God's word say? We should be looking for what does the Bible have to say on all matters. Which brings us to another thing. As we talk about biblical music, and we're saying that biblical music needs to be tied to the Bible, and that it has the same requirements as preaching, and therefore it must declare God's word. Well, then for we can also apply the benefits that to music, if it is biblically based and biblically sound, as the Bible has. Do you know the Bible says there's quite a bit of benefits as we apply the Bible? Well, if we apply that to music and music has that biblical word, these same things are going to be benefits to us. Let's see some of them if you don't mind. First of all, faith and salvation. That if music is biblical, it is going to bring people to a better faith and it could even bring people to salvation. Notice what the Bible says. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice it's the word of God, not a song. Now, if the song is from the Bible and biblically based, then it will increase faith. You understand? Here is the correlation. Let's see the salvation. 1 Peter 1.23 Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. How is someone born again, by the way? Because of the word of God. Someone showed him from the word of God. Told him from the word of God. Or maybe even sung the word of God. And you understand it has to be biblically based. I am saved not because I feel saved. I am saved because of the promises of God's word. That I applied and trusted that God is going to keep his word. What other benefits do we have? Sanctification. Notice what the Bible has to say. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Do you know that as we apply God's word to our life, God helps us in our life to become more like him? So biblical music, if it is biblically based and follows the rules of biblical music, will also help people become closer to God and further away from sin. What other benefits do we have? Cleansing from sin. Well, we know the Bible helps that. Psalm 119 again. By the way, if you're not familiar with Psalm 119, it is a wonderful psalm. Every verse speaks about the Word of God. And it is the longest chapter in all the Bible. Every verse is about the Word of God. You think God is placing an emphasis on the Word of God? Absolutely. Psalm 119 verse 9. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed or paying attention, purposely obedient, therefore according to thy word. How does a young man cleanse his way and stay right with God? 
by applying the word of God to his life. Well, you know, biblical music could do the same thing. If someone is in the middle of temptation, how do we cleanse our way, cleanse our mind? If we got dirty thoughts, nasty thoughts coming here, biblical song. Not any old song, song that's based off of the Bible to help keep us away from sin. We know that according to the Bible, one of the benefits of God's word is strength and substance. My soul, uh, Psalm 119, once again, verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Where do we get our strength from? Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength and our joy comes from him. You know God's word speaks of God and we get our strength from God's word. Notice in Deuteronomy, the last part of Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. That he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Of course, Jesus quoted this when he was dealing with Satan. That God is our substance. Do you know that you could feed your spirit by good biblical music to help you continue on and to stay spiritually strong in those battles? What else do we have? Healing. Do you know that God's word grants healing? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Do you understand that there is a such a thing called sin sickness? James talks about this. And do you know that if you get right with God, sometimes there is sickness in people's life because they're disobedient to God. And when they finally decide to become obedient to God, some of that sickness goes away. By the way, we see this applied when people say, oh, I don't feel good. I can't go to church. There's something about when they decide, I'm going to go to church no matter how I feel. That some of that sickness goes away. God's word grants healing. By the way, if biblical music is based off of God's word, it could also help people to turn from their wicked ways, follow after God, and heal some of the sickness that is caused because of sin. Something else that God's word grants, power. Power. Notice what it says. Jeremiah 23. By the way, we just went through this. Jeremiah 23 verse 9, 29. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord. And like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces. God's word has power. And it can break through the hardest hearts. It can be like a fire and melt the coldest heart. Oh, God's word will work. We can trust God's word to work. Notice, if you don't mind, the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful. There's that word powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, uh, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word has power. And just like the preached word has power... A biblical-based song, when someone is paying attention to it, meditating on the words as they sing it, it will have power in their life as well. Oh, testimony after testimony, how God's song and hymns have been used, and people coming down the aisles as a response to the power of God's word found in music. 
over and over. You study the old revival hymns of R.A. Torrey and Charles Alexander. In fact, I got some books for you to borrow if you want. And to see how when the invitation song was come, that some people who weren't going to respond to the preacher, that music opened up the floodgates and the people responded as the music backed up the biblical message. It is amazing, the power. What else does biblical music applied? Light. Light. Once again, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. By the way, like a flashlight, you can't see a mile down the road with a flashlight, but you could see the next step. And then the next step and the next step. That's what God's word does. It shows you the next step. It shows you where you're supposed to go. It doesn't show you 50 steps. It shows you the next step. By the way, biblical music can help you with that next step too. If it is based off the word of God, it's a light. Notice something else. God's word is, it's a source of discipleship. May I show it to you? John chapter 8 verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Remember, we define discipleship as developing the habit of obedience to Christ. And God's word helps people develop that habit. Well, if biblical music is biblical based and correctly applied, it could also help people follow after Christ. It is a source of discipleship. Now, we've taken some time to explain what biblical music is and the power and the benefits of it. We've defined a hymn. But do you know that most people who call themselves Christian artists do not believe this? And so if you don't mind, I'd like to show you what the other side has to say concerning this subject. All right, you ready? Unfortunately, the attitude towards many of the contemporary artists is that their music should not follow the pattern of God's word. So here is a small sampling of the multitude of quotes. Meaning that I don't have to go search and scour for quotes. There are so many quotes, I have to figure out which ones I'm not going to use. And by the way, these artists get, put them in interviews and publications and magazines and articles. All you have to do is read and see what they have to say. All of these quotes here, you can look up for yourself because they printed them in music articles and newspaper articles about what they think about music. Ready for this? Here we go. Here's Rich Mullins, a very famous CCM uh, performer, by the way. CCM stands for Contemporary Christian Music. It's a style of music where they believe that they could turn the world's style of music and put their own enlightened words to it and call it Christian. See, Rich Mullins is a very uh, important artist of the CCM movement. And this is what he has to say. I'm really sick of this heavy-handed Christianity. Muses, musicians take themselves too seriously. They should have more fun and they should stop preaching unless that's what God called them to do. If I want to hear a sermon, I'll go to my church. Thank you. Well, is his music going to be biblically based? Probably not. He definitely says, I'm against that. I want to have fun uplifting music, not biblical music. Because definitely biblical music is not uplifting. Biblical music can never be a help. 
Well, see, he's opposite of what the Bible has to say. Well, let's see someone else. Here's Dana Key, a CCM performer. And he says on their new album, or their album Streetlight, we were trying to stick to the street theme and deal with the problems people were dealing with. Okay, great. They weren't biblical themes, and they didn't talk about God a lot. So we want to help people with the problems, but we don't want to bring God into this. Okay. Well, let's see what someone else. Here's Robert Sweet of the Christian rock band Striper. You won't pick up this record and hear anything that says God or Christ. This was done intentionally. Why would they purposely leave out God and Christ? Well, notice why he said why. We were tired of people coming back with excuses saying, sorry, we can't play this. MTV got to play this music and the radio's got to play this music or it doesn't serve its purpose. What is their purpose? It's definitely not God and Christ. It's not the right music. It's not lined up. This is what they have to say. I didn't say this. This is what they had to say. Shall we go on? Here is uh, Brown Bannister. He's a very prominent record producer and promoter. This is what he says. That's the problem I'm having with Christian music. It's so formula oriented. The praise stuff is great, but even the praise stuff is formula. It's all like the same. Okay, let's name the names of God in the Bible and let's say I will lift up my hand. I guess you just kind of run out of things to say when you're talking about that stuff. You're limited to a certain number of phrases that are biblically and scripturally oriented. You know, someone taught me a long time ago as a preacher that if I learn to preach the Bible, I'll never run out of things to preach. I don't have to come up with a message. I have to preach God's word. Well, they're missing something if they've run out of things to say because God's word is unsearchable. There's so much in God's word that we could talk about and the praises. Let's see someone else. Amy Grant. Most people have heard of Amy Grant. One of the God mothers of CCM music. This is what she said. I have so many quotes. I could almost do a whole lecture on just what she says. But here's one. I become disillusioned and that's why my lyrics are less idealistic. I'm realizing that the world is not a perfect place and God cannot solve everyone's problems. Well then who do you turn to? If that's your view of the world that it's hopeless but you're, you want people to sing their, uh, buy your albums because they're uplifting. How is it uplifting if the world's crashing down and there's no help? You understand this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Let's see some more. Here's uh, Leslie Phillips, a CCM performer. I found out that the church really wasn't the place where I had more freedom. It was the opposite. I was actually restricted more. And I always felt that I was swimming upstream in that environment. I guess the main thing is I want to grow as an artist and I want to be able to write about whatever I want to write about. I really don't want to be restricted and I feel like I am in gospel music. Well, like I said, if you learn to preach the Bible, you're not restricted. The themes of Christ are unsearchable. You'll never run out. Oh, here he said some more. The born-again movement is more about obsession and narrow-mindedness and repression. And true Christianity is about mercy and love and freedom. Notice that. He puts a distinction between being born again and what he calls true Christianity. 
Well, you understand the true Christianity is being born again. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. You cannot separate that from Christianity. And yet he wants to. Why? Because it applies to a more of an audience than just quote unquote churchgoers. Mylon Lafar, another CCM artist, a performer, the album we made up for Epic Records is more subtle and has the Christian message, but it's not so religious sounding. We've been careful to avoid any religious terminology in this record that would turn people off. We don't want to use the words of the Bible. Well, you understand it's the words of the Bible that has power. God's word has power. And yet they want to try to encourage people that you can have an experience without God's word and following after God's word. Here's uh, Jason Martin of the band Starflyer 59. A lot of bands, the reason why they get so turned off is because you have to put the word Jesus in every line. Oh, how poor and pitiful we have to talk about Jesus. Here we go. That's why so many bands are almost anti-Jesus in their lyrics, even though they're Christians. He says, and he's speaking for the rest of CCM music, most of CCM, he said, in his opinion, is becoming more anti-Christ in their lyrics and their songs because they want, don't want to talk about Jesus all the time. And yet, this is the type of music that is being played in worship services here. Not here, but in the area this morning. They're probably not having church service tonight. But you understand, this is popular. This is what people want. This is what is playing over the radio. All of it because they want people to have a Christian experience without the word of God. And this is by their own omission. So how do we apply this? We need to apply this. We're understanding. We studied what the Bible has to say. And we have to see that biblical music hymns. Should be based. Off of the word of God. And yet what is contemporary Christian music today. Is against this idea. They're against having God's word. And God's theme. And even God's name. In their song. By the way, just as a here nor there, there's a such a thing called the anti or the atheist church. I think it's in Nashville, Tennessee. And in the atheist church, they said, we like the fellowship and we like uplifting messages and we like the songs they sing. We just don't want to talk about Christ. And so they have a church where atheists meet on Sunday mornings and can even sing the same songs because they don't talk about Christ. They're just uplifting songs. If an atheist can sing our songs and be happy about it, there's something wrong because it should be teaching people about Christ. So here's the application. Biblical music has the purpose of teaching the people more about God. We saw Martin Luther say that. That was the purpose. He wanted people to know more about God. Therefore, biblical music should hold the same standards as biblical preaching and teaching because they're both teaching the message about God and declaring truth about who Christ is. And so as we come here tonight... We want to make this application for ourselves. We need to have a biblical response of why we listen to things. Again, 
this will be criticized even in this church. Well, you're old fashioned and you just use those hymns. You should get up to date. I've heard people say, well, you'd have more people come to your church if you put a drum set. Well, you understand, I'm not looking for a crowd. Anyone can build a crowd. Christ promised to build his church. And we need to be obedient to what he has given us to do. There is a difference here. Our motive is to please him, not to build a crowd. Now, of course, we would love to have more people come. But that's not the goal. The goal is God. And so you need to be able to answer because more often than not, the criticizers will go to you first as the members of this church. And they're going to go, why doesn't pastor do this? And you could go, well, that's because how pastor is. Or you can say, this is what we believe from the Bible. Can I show you some things? That would be a better response because you're helping them along rather than blaming pastor why we're old fuddy-duddy. Make sense? We need to have a biblical response and be able to answer people when they come up with things that we could be a help to them and understand what we believe and why we believe it. What we're trying to say is that this should not just be pastors or pastors' families' conviction. This should be the desire and the conviction of this church and not only understanding what we do, but why we do it. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.